everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Tome to the Weather Machine podcast. Hope you're recovering from St. Patrick's Day, um, and I hope you enjoyed this interview that I do with Evan Lotzenheiser. Lotzenheiser. I've had to practice doing that before saying it. Lotzenheiser. Evan Lotzenheiser. He is the owner and proprietor of Live God Collective. It's an arts collective um, that has um, a lot of different focuses on visual and visual art and auditory art. You record it's a tape label. Um, he records um, under the name Keiki, um, as well as in a duo called Apartment Mouth. Um, beginning this um, or opening this podcast, you just heard a, a excerpt from a Keiki track. And closing this podcast, I will play an apartment mouth track. So I hope you enjoy. I, I enjoyed the interview, certainly. Um, I had a good time. We are um, starting a little, we're starting to jam a little bit. And we recorded in um, his apartment um, in front of a very nice microphone. So it's probably the best recorded um, audio quality-wise podcast. So enjoy that. And I'm hoping to do every other week. Uh, I'm hoping to this will get out today. It's Friday, um, March 20th. I'm hoping this will get out today. I've been busy. You know, I'm in grad school, and I was gone all week um, visiting my wife's family in Pennsylvania. And I'm working and interning, and it's it's a lot. But I'm I, I like doing this, and I'm hoping to be regular in producing these. Um, mostly because I just love talking to people here in Cincinnati who do really cool experimental music. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks. I'm uh, sitting here with Evan. Evan, you're going to have to pronounce your last name. Lotzenheiser. I'm sitting here with Evan Lotzenheiser. 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 Yeah. Um, we're in his house. Um, we just got finished uh, doing a, an hour-long jam session. Um, this is my... I'm very, 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 very amateur um, bassist, and Evan's... Um, sort of been my uh, spirit guide through pedals and through noise <laughs> and through drone. So it's been uh, it's been <laughs> really fun. Um, but I, I was excited to um, to interview Evan. Um, I followed his uh, his work through his cassette label Live God and his musical project Keiki. saying that right? Keiki. Mm-hmm. And uh, Evan is also a visual artist of some repute. So I'm excited to talk to Evan. Um, yeah, so why don't we uh, why don't we just start from the beginning? Um, where are you from? I am from. Uh, it's a little suburb or big suburb outside of Cincinnati, uh, Mason, Ohio, home of uh, Kings Island. That's right. If, <laughs> if you need any sort of reference point for where is Mason, it is the home of Kings Island, uh, home of the Banshee. 
The Beast. And The Beast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Evan, tell me a little bit about um, growing up. Um, what, what's, what's Mason like? Uh, very, uh, a lot of white people, mostly like upper middle class with a uh, few variations. But uh, for the most part, I went to like a really huge high school, and like uh, it's basically like the size, like the size of a uh, college campus. So, growing, I don't know, growing up was uh, it was sort of difficult to have an identity, I guess, like growing up, and because there were so many people, I just sort of. Uh, blended in and felt invisible in the school and that was sort of uh, a godsend for me actually but uh it wasn't I don't that I feel like that's one of the main things I always think about my childhood is that I just didn't have an identity that I just sort of like went through uh with schooling and living around people that I was uh, forced to hang out with did you did you gain an identity uh, through music? Did was that something that helped shape your identity? Yeah, it was. It wasn't really like uh, because I I started doing music when I was in like fifth grade. I like uh, I got in really into a band called a ska band called Five Iron Frenzy. They're like a Christian ska band. Yeah, they're from Denver. I <laughs> I knew all about Five Iron Frenzy. Yeah, they were. My friends would go to their shows. Like they'd put on these all ages shows in Denver. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I know Five Hard Friends. That's awesome. Because uh, that was one of my, basically my introduction to, like, caring about music. Because mm-hmm. my, my brother listened to, like, like Less Than Jake and stuff, and uh, my other brother listened to, like, Metallica, just normal MTV stuff. And then, like, I, it wasn't really that much longer that uh, I actually got introduced from... My brother that uh, used to be into a lot of ska music and then sort of similarly changed out of that. Uh, he introduced me to like Built to Spill and Modest Mouse and stuff, and uh, that that was sort of the beginning of like, well, I, the the next step to to music fandom and like trying or just like being in love with uh, all like all aspects of music, and so. Initially, why I brought up Fire and Frenzy is because in sixth grade I ended up uh, joining the school band, uh, playing trumpet, and uh, totally inspired by that music. And did you want to play trumpet in a ska band? Not, not particularly in a ska band, I guess, because by the time I actually, because uh, I had I had decided before that I was gonna be in band and play trumpet. So by the time it actually was able, I was actually able to like pick up trumpet and be in the class. I wasn't really into it anymore, and so I I was just really into learning music, essentially, like learning how to read and uh, not really much writing, I guess. But uh, but so that that skill uh, of like doing music sort of stemmed right there. But so when high school came around, uh, the whole thing was that you had to be in marching band. So I, I dropped out immediately. <laughs> it was not doing music classes. For that that though. was too much in, of an identity for you. It, it was too much of a commitment, yeah. <laughs> they wanted you to, they, they like required you to do it. So you couldn't just be in regular band and like orchestra or something? You had to be in marching bands? Basically. Lame. Like they, they, they kind of pressured you into um, doing it. <laughs> 
Because, like, the high school teachers came to our school and were, like, telling us that we, uh, like, when you get to high school, you're going to be a marching band. Did, it's a really did Mason big... have a, a good marching band, like, Stomp the Yard? Yeah, it was... Well, I don't know about good, but it was, like, the people who were in marching band, of course, I feel like that's similar for every school. It's, like, that's their entire life. And, like, people in guard and... Sure. Like, they, it's all just a big community. So you did you stop playing music at that point, or, or did you switch to something else? I, I basically completely stopped playing music. Uh, and I never really stopped listening to music, fortunately, so I was still, like, into all the... All this because I just kept growing with my musical tastes and uh, it wasn't really until like sophomore year I feel like that I actually started playing guitar and uh, what prompted you to pick up the guitar? Just being into bands and like uh, I remember being really into Elliot Smith and his music was really uh, simple and the I, f- I feel like the mood, like that depressing mood that is throughout his songs really appealed to me. Sure. <laughs> and uh, so because because of that, I really wanted to play guitar. Like it, it felt, listening to that m- sort of music, I felt so like easy to do. Isn't that scary that like at like 15 and 16, you could like identify with an Elliott Smith song? <laughs> yeah. I think it really like, s- I kind of snapped back into reality, I think when like he committed suicide and mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, like, like this is, this is coming from a place that I'm definitely not at. Yeah. You know, um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I loved Elliot Smith probably around the same, around the same time. Yeah. So you started playing guitar, um, it sounded like, so you cycled from third wave ska, which is really <laughs> the best wave of ska, let's, let's get, let's get real, um, to, uh, to kind of, um, more indie rock, like, Modest Mouse and mm-hmm. Built to Spill. What was it? What was the first Built to Spill album that you heard? Um, there's nothing wrong with love. Oh wow! So see, I was on kind of. I got like I was in on the tail end, and uh, like the first um, one I heard was um, Ancient Melodies of the Future, mm-hmm. which was like okay. I and it really it took me like I don't know a little while to like listen to There's Nothing Wrong with Love and some of those albums to realize it's a great album, yeah. what a brilliant band that is. Yeah, they're. Uh, I'm not really sure the chronological order, but the like the first couple albums are really great. Like mm-hmm. the, uh, I forget the name now. It's got all the hits. Yeah. <laughs> so did you? Um, so you you were playing guitar. Did you play in a band? Did you? Not did you... not really. Okay. Like loosely. Uh, some friends uh, wanted to mess around with music. So, uh, actually, my first. Uh, venture into recording music was because of that now that I think about it uh my friend John his sister is actually uh a country singer so she has she had this old boss four track that we used to like record just session jam sessions I guess so what kind of music were you playing at that time I don't really know I was uh I was getting more into like like garage rock I guess okay. it just like I, f- I feel like the OCs was really big for me oh, around wow. that time and I'm not sure if that's correct or if that timeline adds up but uh, you, no, don't lie you were into like the hives and 
Vine. No, not, not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how old are you? Because I, I feel like maybe I'm, I'm a couple years. This was like sophomore year of high school. So how old are you? I'm 24. Okay, yeah. So ne- never mind. That yeah. was that, that was like when I was like a sophomore. It was like when when those like that garage rock revival mm-hmm. happened that really yeah. sucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the hives. <laughs> but uh, it was right around that time that I discovered like DNA, Whoa. and Mars and stuff. And in, in in what um in what context or how did you find out about DNA and Mars and that whole no wave scene? I'm not really sure. Because uh, I... I feel like I found out about DNA, and then I... F- I f- like, through... Through that... Uh, found that uh, Kill Your Idols documentary. Yeah, And yeah. so that was, like, a big jumping point, essentially, where I got really into, like, Glenn Barranca, and... Uh, through through DNA, I uh, got really into like uh, Derek Bailey, improvised guitarist, nice. and uh, that sort of because I was totally an amateur musician, especially with uh, guitar. I was more so just uh, unleashing myself into music, like trying to record things that I felt I like could identify with, essentially. And I and that is really where uh, my artistic and creative identity sort of uh, f- was born. So what what I'm hearing is that you really um, you really responded to the sort of expressionist uh, expressionistic mm-hmm. guitar like totally unlearned. That, yeah, just... that you could be an outsider mm-hmm. and essentially still like apply yourself to this this superhuman thing. And what did you what did you first hear in in something like DNA? Uh, that that drew you to that. It, it was really the, uh, like the burst of uh, like emotion, like how uh, intense it was, and the the sort of uh, the only word I can think of is like wackiness of uh, like trying like finding a random person who like played violin I believe and then telling her that you wanted to play you she wanted her to play drums like totally unlearned in drums and like I don't know just I was trying to approach music from that standpoint and so at the time I was like this is it like like this is because I feel like I was recording things on the four that Shalo four track that I didn't I didn't feel like I could show anybody it because I felt like it was too out there and because I always feel like I've always sort of felt like I've listened to, like, weird music or, like, that especially my peers in school were, like, not interested in hearing about, like, bands that I, uh, wasn't, like, wore t-shirts of and stuff. And so, uh, when I was already sort of at that stage where I felt like I was, uh, having, like, a weird breakthrough, and so when I found DNA, I was just like, well, shit, like... Like, this is way better than what I'm doing, and it's, uh, like, way ahead of my time, or anyone's time for that matter, I guess. That's interesting. So you were listening to this stuff um, in high school, and you said earlier that, and maybe I'm I'm misquoting, but that um, you felt like you didn't necessarily, like, have an identity, like, you were just kind of lost in this sea of of people, and I can imagine, um, you know, a suburb of Cincinnati pretty 
white and kind of following the same like rigid um class structure in like high school like the jocks and the you know whatever yeah uh, the, you guys probably had a great football team <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like where i grew up um Comets. but um you so you were listening to this stuff and you and you really responded to um the, the expressionism and the spontaneity and the um ability to sort of let loose without any is it without any sort of like uh overarching governing like uh level of like this is this is good or this is bad or mm-hmm. you know it it was it was sort of like that cuz it was also not much long after that I I discovered Art Damage Lodge okay. when they were still around and so uh I started going to show the shows there and it was really like my my understanding of like visual art and music was like coming to like coming out of pitch right there okay. and and so I was uh becoming more into like really strange like abstract art and stuff and uh like performance art and so finding like walking in on like weird drone noise sessions between like C Spencer yeah and uh other strange people I don't remember their names now uh it was just like otherworldly to me like there's this this strange alien subculture of people uh and so like the the whole distinction of aesthetic like good or bad being thrown out the window it was uh I don't know something that I I found really mind blowing yeah it must be pretty liberating yeah especially I I can imagine coming from a um uh, f- coming from a place that's so structured and um, everything is merit based on merit. It was complete anarchy. Yeah, like, which is which is exciting. Yeah. which which can be completely exhilarating, especially as like in in adolescence to mm-hmm. kind of stumble upon that. Um, what a, what a great opportunity uh, to be around when um, our damage is happening in your Absolutely. formative years. Uh, I definitely missed <laughs> missed the boat by. <laughs> Yeah, a long, long while. Um, so I, I'm, I'm interested. So did that inform your identity of, of kind of how you saw yourself fitting into this whole milieu of, of people? Um, the fact that you were sort of standing outside, um, and maybe you kind of had a pipeline into, um, this music that, was sort of beyond, uh, <laughs> what what most people would I guess even consider music, you know, um, at sort of a base level. Did did that, uh, did that inform kind of who you were or how you saw yourself? Yeah, like, I, uh, I'm not really sure (laughs) how to answer that. I kind of lost my train of thought, I guess. That's right, because it, it seems to me that, um, we, we define ourselves a lot, um, beyond more than like who we are like in the crowd of like who we stand apart from um and and i i definitely felt to a much 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 less extent lesser extent um in 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 my growing up um in my my adolescence and especially right after high school going to a very very conservative religious college that i define myself more in in uh and who I stood apart from, mm. and a, a lot of times the only way that I could make that separation 
um, was through going to more extreme um, forms of music or, or, or music that uh, was inaccessible for for a reason, you know? Yeah. And, and that definitely um, formed who I was. And um, I think sort of it's a slippery slope to uh to all other great forms of art because once you once you throw out the idea that um there's this objective standard of um of of what's good and bad not only does it kind of free this world of um this world of ideas of um of, and 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 of other people's art but also frees i think y- yourself um to try things and to make mistakes and um to not be a perfectionist and mm-hmm. um to to not to think like oh i can't form a band because i can't like do the six solo <laughs> yeah that's that's still a thing where i uh i feel like i'm not musically trained enough to be in a band but like i'm extremely comfortable just like sitting down with like the stuff that i have and like doing it by myself so i don't know so did you did you have anybody else that could was kind of like a guide through um experimental music or showed you showed you things? Yeah. Well obviously my brother, uh Logan, really like introduced me to a lot of stuff. But my uh I became friends with this uh person named Shane Riley, who is actually in uh Frankie Church. Okay, and, yeah. Uh uh he was basically like my guide through music like cuz at first he was sh- i feel like he showed me like raccoon and nice. yellow swans wow yeah and i just didn't like it oh, and and goslings what, what year was that like 2008 i feel like 2000 yeah 2008 cuz yeah cuz they... like 2009 was when i really like started trying to record and i feel like all, all of that had already happened raccoon like, was, was awesome yeah <laughs> Because I, I even feel like they, them two played in Cincinnati, oh. and he was trying to get me to go, and I just wouldn't go, because I was just like, I don't know who these people are, and I'm like, this music is bizarre to me, <laughs> and I, I've always regretted that. Did you ever feel like a, an initial sense of like repulsion from it? And, and not like, like, like this is sick repulsion, but yeah. sort of like, um, it's off-putting um, yeah. for, for a reason. Did, did you ever feel that? Absolutely, because uh, what you said about the uh, like the objectionable aesthetic of music and art, I w- that is like totally just takes control of most people. Like when like before they even think about the f- uh, this is just noise the possibility. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the. My immediate reaction was just like anyone could make this. Like mm-hmm. this is just fucking around. And that's like, the point. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's kind of the point. But not. Yeah, anybody can make it. But like, from so many people do it, and it's <laughs> yeah. all so different. Yeah. And like, that's what I hear a lot of people saying. Like drone music all sounds the same. Like it's all pretty. It's either like pretty and like steady, like one note the whole time, or like. I don't know. That's what people say about like stoner metal and stuff mm-hmm. too. Like, so what made you what made you push through that that immediate kind of repulsion? Just I feel like I kept coming into contact with uh, music that was like that 
or like music that reminded me of it, I guess. And I, I initially, I guess I was sort of just like wanted to remain ignorant of it. And then, uh, just the confrontation of like finding, finding things that I, I didn't like before. And just like, so, like finding this like weird liberating, uh, like feeling behind it. Like, I feel like I would, I would have totally rejected DNA had it not been for like, uh, slowly getting into things like that, like yellow swans and yeah, I feel like you definitely build up a tolerance for it. Yeah. Um, and and then tolerance quickly gives way to like uh, appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as appreciation and difference. Um, in that you you can sort of start differentiating sounds because yeah you, you're right like people do say that like all drones sounds the same but. W- once you once you're immersed in that world, you can start really separating, and it, it, and it's it, it's an investment. Yeah. Um. It's definitely not something um. That you can, I don't know. I, I feel like some people just get it right away, but for me, it, it took a, a long time. Um. I think for like like the first band that I started listening to that was like, was kind of, a little bit more experimental, but in a very very radio friendly, um manner was uh was cigaros mm-hmm. um and then uh then oddly enough um i think what what really started it for me which is such a weird place but i was i, I needed music to study to um <laughs> and i don't know what brought me across steve roach do, do you know steve roach steve Reich, no 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 steve roach no i don't know steve roach is this uh guy who just plays it's it's like really ambient techno um mm-hmm. but like super super ambient um and yeah that, that was um and i was like i need to find more music like this um and so the, yeah so i started listening to more um more and more stuff in that vein um and that kind of took me out of the uh whole ambient techno realm into um guitar based drum but i it's it's interesting like way before that um though was was stuff like uh, arvo part um and uh and listening to classical music kind of being forced to listen to mm-hmm. classical music for for 2 years um but yeah and 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 for me it was like i don't really understand like all the movements and and classical me- i don't you know it's it's that's very like to be uh, very, I guess trained in, in classical music to really get the full enjoyment out of it. But for me, it was like it, it did something and it was very evocative. Um, and and I, I kept on coming back to that, that if, if it can move me in some way, um, and and I, I guess serve some sort of utilitarian function, because um, I, I, I do listen to drone music and stuff when I read or when I study. Um, so not only am I getting some sort of enjoyment out of it, but it's um, it's it serves some sort of utilitarian function. And then the noisier stuff, um, kind of what you were talking about earlier, kind of like the raccoon and yellow swans, which is still kind of on the prettier side of mm-hmm. noisy ambient stuff. Sometimes. Um, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, what about harsh noise? What was your first introduction to, um, to that world, to like, the, that whole side of it? Well, oh, I guess I mean DNA, uh, yeah. you know, like the, I guess that um, that kind of falls in. But I, but I'm thinking of like, like the, like the easily identifiable like, 
harsh noise contact mic. <laughs> you know, just like um, like a totally couple synthesizers just like yeah. throbbing. Yeah. For like an hour. <laughs> I don't know. Did that all cut? Was that uh, was that part of our damages scene? Was was not, there a, was there really. a, was there an element of that at our damage? It was. It seemed more like. I could be wrong. Like the people who played could be totally into that, but <laughs> uh, it was it was mostly like really weird, like uh, psychedelic noise almost. Hmm. Like uh, like Wolf Eyes played there a bunch and or a couple times, and then like uh, I can't I can't really remember anyone too like harsh or like completely overbearing, like a prurient or something mm-hmm. like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it seemed, it seemed mostly like transcendental Mm. (laughs) almost like Mm. that was sort of, that's sort of what I really loved about it was the, uh, no matter like if it was a noise act, it was usually, uh, like completely immersive. Yeah. You would sit on the couches that line the walls and Mm -hmm. just like completely lose yourself in it. That's awesome. Uh, a few people I brought. Or the people who always usually came with me, uh, especially if it was like the last act and it was something noisier, they would just like fall asleep. Yeah, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't really like a. Uh, this is boring. Falling asleep. It was like I want to sleep to this. Like, nice. <laughs> yeah, there needs to be more couches at venues. Yeah, that's what I. Rick needs to invest in some. Couches. I love that about our damage. <laughs> yeah, because you could just like. Because I wasn't. And, like, I wasn't familiar with any of those people that, uh, like, John, like, I didn't know that they were a part of it at all or anything. And so I would just come with, like, Shane and a few of, uh, a few other friends, and we would just, like, slick to the back and, like, sit on the couch and just, like, watch things unfold, whatever it could have been, because they had a lot of, like, punk bands and, mm-hmm. uh, like, other really cool stuff coming nice. through. Nice. Uh but the same thing applies to me where I feel like I really got into ambient and drone, uh, or like things that you could call that, uh, when I, when I initially got immersed into like noise or like experimental music, Hmm. uh, because, because I like wrote a little bit, not anymore, but then like art, I would just like listen to, uh, like emeralds and, uh, nice. Uh, Cabo ladies, I really love that. Yeah, wait, wait, so you listen to that while while you painted? Mm-hmm. Or like anything when I when I was drawing, when I was sleeping, like mm-hmm. that was that's more so college, I guess. Yeah. When I uh, first got out of high school. So then you went to the Art Academy mm-hmm. of Cincinnati, um, and where you majored in uh, printmaking, printmaking and then minor in drawing. Right. And so you said you. You'd listen to that stuff while you, while you did art. Mm-hmm. Um, do you draw any sort of line between um, the sort of visual art that you create and, um, I guess this is two parts: the visual you create, the music that you consumed, and the music that you create. Uh yeah, it seems well not at first, but especially, like the more you do it, it seems to completely, uh, you become, like what what you consume, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, you, uh... My, my identity started, like, 
coming together more, mm-hmm. uh, like, because especially with the uh, the cakey idea, mm-hmm. when I uh, first started recording music, I was doing I was doing it under the term or the name cakey, mm-hmm. and so I sort of crafted this. Uh, That's K E I K I. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Not C A K Y. Yeah. But so. I sort of. Uh, I don't know. I lost my train of thought again. But like, especially lately, I've I've become more into improvised music, uh, and like creating or listening. Creating. To. Well, and listening. Yeah. I, I've gotten really into like, I've re re immersed myself in Derek Bailey yeah, stuff, and then stuff. I found uh, Evan Parker, the nice. saxophonist, and uh, have been really getting into stuff like that, uh, and so. I feel like my music and my visual art that I create right now is uh, really sort of cohesive where, like, I all of my paintings that I'm doing right now uh, especially are just, like, laying down paint and then, like, just going from there. And that's sort of what I've been doing with art or the, the music that I've been creating. So it, to describe how, um, how those parallels work, so when you create music... Um, are are you are you saying that you kind of start with a base, kind of a base layer, and then sort of augment that with um, with other things? It depends on what like I'm approaching, like mm-hmm. a base layer, mm-hmm. like a uh, what like sort of instrument I'm approaching it with. But uh, yeah, it's sort of it's sort of just like approaching it with. Uh, especially something that I like can't control hmm. too much, or or especially being untrained, I mm-hmm. feel like that really helps. Like if I ever feel like I understand guitar too much, I'll stop playing for like a couple months. Okay. <laughs> and so, uh, is is that why you enjoy the uh, the your your bent keyboard over there? Yeah, yeah. That that's what I've been messing with mostly, and that's what I actually pointed to. When yeah, I was yeah. That was trying I was gonna... to say that. Uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he's pointing to a keyboard <laughs> in the corner of the room. Uh, and so, like, just jumping into something, uh, not really having any intention or, like, idea of what it it would turn into. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess, like, the the definition of experiment. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I'm sure the reward um, is, uh, is, is even greater sometimes when, when you find that like golden tone or something like that just the right combination of sort of these factors that are largely uh beyond your direct control yeah happen and something sounds awesome when things come together mm-hmm. like com- it doesn't feel like you are the reason it mm-hmm. happened it just seems like uh the universe is pushing it upon you i guess <laughs> especially with painting it, f- it feels even uh I feel like I totally have no control over where those usually turn to. Interesting, because I, I mean, I was at your um, I was at your show on on Saturday, and, and what I really liked about it is, um, y- yeah, I, I can I guess I can see the process. Start with a base layer, but then you're uh, you have super thick, bold outlines with like unmissable, unmistakable, um, you know, black uh, like black lines. Are are you saying that those like the 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 forms that those take you feel like are sometimes out of your control? Yeah, like usually I uh, 
Because when something dries, like especially if it's got like a lot of paint or I'm doing like a lot of layers at once, uh, when it dries, it looks totally different uh, from. Hmm. Like I, I can usually like push it. Like if I see something, I can like push it to that direction. But uh, it's it's really like when it dries and when I'm like ready to draw on it, it's like like this is there and I have no con- like I can cover it up and see if I see something else. But like. I have, like, no control over what shows up, and so I just draw it. Like, hmm. I, I have to uh, visualize it fully. Uh, uh, that, I feel a strong affinity, I guess, with the idea of uh, cave painting. Okay. Uh, like, uh, approaching, approaching like, a rock wall and seeing all these, like, animals stampeding and, like, people in the, the distance or whatever. Uh like needing to uh, bring that into reality, hmm. like something that you can only really like see with your mind, or like because you, like a weird pareidolia effect where you just see faces and hmm. like uh, formations. Nice, and so where did um, where did Live God um, fit into this whole timeline? Live God was started. Uh, me and Jay Harmon and uh, our friend Travis Coates, who is Strange Orbs. Uh, uh, as soon as I got out of college, or basically senior year of college, uh, me and Jay were collaborating on music a lot more, and uh, me and Travis have like been doing Apartment Mouth for a while. Uh, and so I felt like I needed something to or we all felt like we needed something to, uh, like, push ourselves with, like, something to uh, connect ourselves, I guess, like, mm. to bring all of us together under one label. Uh, and so it really just started out more so as a, like, an artist collective where mm-hmm. we, uh, me and Jay, had a collage book that we were uh, collaborating on and it ended up Actually, the, the funny story about that is that there was a Cincinnati poetry magazine called Evil Dog, hmm. and so that was the first collage book that we did was an Evil Dog publication, and I feel like, I think they're from the 90s, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Mike from, uh, he, he used to run the, uh, another part of the forest until he passed away. Yeah. Uh, did he, did he... He introduced run? me to oh, okay. Evil Dog, and... Because he, he's like a, he was a poet, basically. Really? Or like a big literary person. And so, he introduced me to Evil Dog, and it was, it was, I feel like it was more so out of necessity that I used that book, cause, because I, I wanted to do this thing, and I, I just had this book, and it was perfect to do it with. Because all the imagery and the words and stuff in there were perfect, like, yeah. for my aesthetic, especially. Uh, and so just kind of uh on a whim i named it live god okay <laughs> the, the book was just called live god and so when jay started collaborating with me with it uh we we had the idea of making it a live god like collective with mm-hmm. uh, other visual artists that we yeah. were friends with and so the live god records thing sort of just came out of just the fact that we were all visual artists who also made music, mm-hmm. most of us. 
and so on that label, um, it's you, um, Strange Orbs, uh, Boyfruit, Jay. First um, dog. First dog, yeah. I guess how, how I, I think how I knew, knew you, or I think we, we exchanged emails um, with, your, with your Live God stuff. Uh, yeah, I think long before we, we ever met um, because we uh, I started writing up like boyfruit stuff when Jay was like 16 yeah. <laughs> and same thing with First Dog um, <laughs> like that's like back in the early early days of the tome when did tome start? 2009 like, yeah I yeah. remember reading tome <laughs> in high school and <laughs> was just like this is pretty sweet and I don't know I, I, I had no clue who Jay was or Boyfruit was. I, I met Jay purely coincidentally through college. Crazy. Yeah, and then um, I think you sent me a bunch of um, like downloads to some of the stuff that you put out in the summer of 2014, last summer? Probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and it's, it's all really really good I was, I was excited to find um, somebody in Cincinnati who um, who who did this kind of stuff and, and who's um, so, some of the stuff I was already familiar with um, so that was really exciting not really knowing just kind of how uh, how deep Cincinnati's noise and experimental music scene ran and continues to run um, yeah, and it was that Apartment Mouth show that you opened for Pete Fosco mm-hmm. that I missed your set. Mm-hmm. I was I was doing dishes. <laughs> I'm like, I've got time, I've got time, I've got time. And then I, I missed it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I remember Pete, Fo- Pete Fosco's set. Oh, the, you opened for that Humminbird. Humminbird, yeah, yeah, from the, Chicago. Yeah, um, and then Pete played really late. Um... <laughs> Which I'm sure is always like super fun for the comet. <laughs> it's like, all right, all right, <laughs> let's wrap this up. This long free form yeah. sort of drone stuff. Um, but yeah, no, there's 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 some good places um, to play in Cincinnati, um, and even more that are opening up. Mm-hmm. It's pretty it's pretty exciting. And I think we had a we had a conversation here once. Um, how you said that y- you kind of see like a lot of um, sort of that amateur spirit here in Cincinnati. Not amateur in like the negative connotation that like it's like not good because it's made by amateurs, but sort of that anybody I, can do it. Exactly. And I, f- I feel like people here aren't afraid, you know, to like do that. It's like um, like this is this is like a really good spot where music feels like like playing live music. I feel like is is how it should be where it's i'm i'm unafraid to try um you know i'm gonna go to the ra- rake's end on a wednesday <laughs> you know there's gonna be like you know 10 or maybe 15 weirdos hanging out and <laughs> um it's totally open to that and it's totally uh I- accepting um I, th- I think that's a something that is really endearing to me um about the about cincinnati not to say that that's all there is in Cincinnati, because mm. there are some really amazing musicians of the finest, highest order um, who also play. But I, I, I do feel like it's it's very nurturing in that way, mm-hmm. um, and and there aren't that there aren't that many like genre divides because like all those dudes who are playing like in those like 
you know, punk bands and hardcore bands also have like a noise project mm-hmm. that they do. It's really interesting. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. I like it a lot. Um, so we, we covered, um, yeah, so I think we covered, we covered your, your music under Keiki and we covered your, um, visual art output and then Live God. Um, now we're at, we're at the part, um, where I can ask you, um, about a, a, a favorite song of yours. Have you, have you decided on that? Yeah, I think I am going to choose a Yellow Swan song called uh, Police Eternity.
like I said, uh, Yellow Swans was sort of my uh, introduction into like, I don't know, like more more out there noise stuff, uh, stuff that I originally was like really repulsed with, and I didn't I didn't really listen to them, and I found uh, an album at uh, Half Price Books, the <laughs> Bring the Neon War Home, nice, and so I. <laughs> I got that just because it was like four bucks or something and then popped it in my CD player and it was just like blown away <laughs> and drove, drove home th- uh, like, I don't know, feeling like I couldn't take it inside my house, I guess, because <laughs> of my parents, I guess. Whoa. They would just think I was absolutely insane <laughs> if I played that like around them. Yeah, yeah, that's that can sometimes be lost. <laughs> did would what, what, like was it just because you felt that they wouldn't understand or was there some some quality about that song that was maybe like I don't know I'm not saying like e- like evil like in like the bad con but but sort of like corrupting yeah yeah <laughs> or like yeah like corrupting and dark and yeah the my parents or my mom specifically is definitely someone that would uh like, I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, being into punk music was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, being into, like, music that I talked about, or that was, like, specifically violent and mm-hmm. aesthetic would would be, like, something that would, like, you need to go to a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> you need to take medication. <laughs> In- interesting. Any sort of recognition of, um, I guess, darkness or kind of the other side of human nature mm-hmm. um the dynastic yeah as 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 an aesthetic or or as something that's worth exploring mm-hmm. is immediately associated with like depression or immediately associated with like kind of like in mental instability mm-hmm. yeah i i totally get that yeah um so 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 there there was sort of that underlying aspect of of why you didn't want to bring yellow swans in <laughs> has um uh have they ever seen or like heard any of the stuff that you that you do uh i don't think that they particularly would even care to hear my music okay i feel like they would uh shy away from it for for basically trying not to offend me and not wanting to know mm-hmm. and but my art specifically they've uh my mother has uh kind of questioned me like this is odd like this is kind of scary <laughs> <laughs> but they they've been they've been relatively supportive uh especially with art because like school and everything they've yeah, yeah, really yeah. enjoyed that I follow something that I want to do cool or some something that is somewhat admirable Mm-hmm. I remember, um, yeah, just kind of going on, like, freaking your parents out. <laughs> I, um, I remember I listened to, like, I was into hardcore for, and this was, like, my very first, like, taste into hardcore, so I bought, like, a Boy Sets Fire mm-hmm. CD at, like, Sam Goody, yeah. and I accidentally left it in my car. <laughs> <laughs> and my, and my, my dad got in it, and I had it on really, really loud, and... He was uh, he was, he was not happy. <laughs> yeah, 
Because I feel like they always made fun of, like, other bands like Modest Mouse. They would make fun of his voice and stuff if I was ever listening to it around them. But, uh... I remember I was listening to Goslings uh, one time, and my dad walked in. And he was just like, "What is this? <laughs> Why are you listening to like people? What sounds like people like destroying a microphone?" I guess I don't know. Yeah, my um, my parents are are also I think probably in the same boat. Like they're very very supportive, um, but they I mean it's just like beyond their grasp. Not beyond their grasp. Like they couldn't get it. But it just it has no interest to them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, my my parents came to Gold Rush, and like oh they did yeah they I mean they didn't stay for the whole I I kind of like sh- ushered them out when the all the weird stuff started happening, but even just like the little little taste they got like there's this there's this band that has a um, a transgendered um, lead singer, <laughs> and my watching my dad just like kind of like process what was happening and then just like turn away and just like walk right up like you know like <laughs> not that like he's like offended or anything but this is like this is like this is uh, a world it's that world i'm shattering i'm you. not i'm way out of my element yeah. so well, cool so yeah yellow yellow swans nice well i think we've um we've covered all of it thanks for um this actually this wasn't my intention of, of coming over here tonight we <laughs> We were just gonna jam, and then I, I realized, you know, while I've while I've got you, I might as well do this. So I appreciate on such short notice you. Um, I apologize if it's a little incoherent. No, it's not. So. It's like, I, I think we we got into some good stuff. Um, I'm especially glad to finally talk to somebody about that um, that repulsion factor, and that I, I'm you know, I'm not a I'm not a baby for. Experience <laughs> for experiencing that at first, and then building up a tolerance for it later. Yeah. And tolerance leads to um, gradual appreciation. And we have a third guest here now. <laughs> stink bug. Stink bug. Landed on our table. So it's the, all over I, the place. I guess that's that time of year. The weather's the weather's really nice now, and with that comes, um, especially in my line of work, uh, bed bugs and lice. Oh so god! Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's uh, Tome the Weather Machine podcast. Thank you, Evan. And Thank you. Yeah.
Yeah, that's fine. We can keep that. That's <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a good uh, it's a good intro to any podcast. You know you're getting quality when you hear that sound. 